Welcome to Limitless, the Blind Beginnings podcast where seeing things differently inspires limitless possibilities. This podcast is being brought to you by Blind Beginnings, an organization based in Vancouver, Canada, that supports children and youth who are blind or partially sighted, along with their families. Limitless was created in order to inform, educate, entertain, and share stories from within the blind and partially sighted community in order to show the world that the opportunities for those who are blind or partially sighted are truly limitless. And now, it is my pleasure to introduce you to your host, the executive director and founder of Blind Beginnings, Sean Marcelet. Welcome back to Limitless, the Blind Beginnings podcast. I'm your host, Sean Marcelet, and thank you so much for joining us again this week. I want to start by introducing my co-host, Colby. Hi, Colby. How are you doing today? Hi, everyone. I'm good, and I'm excited to be here this morning. Do you want to remind our listeners who you are, where you're from, your level of vision? My name is Colby Vanier, and I'm from uh, Trail, BC, and I've been a member of Blind Beginnings for quite some time now, and um, I'm totally blind, um, but I used to be able to see quite a bit, so I have a pretty good idea what most things look like. So I'm so excited. We have a wonderful guest with us today. We are talking to the executive director of Vocali, which is a nonprofit society registered charity and the first live descriptive art service for the blind in Canada. Welcome, Steph Kirkland. Thanks so much, Sean and Colby. It's just such a pleasure to be here. Yeah, thanks for joining us. We should start off by explaining what is what does Vocali do? And I feel like you would be better to explain that than than me. So why don't you tell us a little bit about the organization? Okay, thanks, Sean. I will try to make it brief. So before the pandemic, we were describing live theater and events in and around Vancouver and the Lower Mainland. So we also uh, were in Surrey, Richmond, Victoria, uh, and the, the North Shore. So, uh, so fairly local. Um, once the pandemic hit, uh, we just had to rethink everything. So the services that we offered um, live, we had, um, we would go to the theater, we would, our describers would watch the production, and then we would create a description for it. There would be a, a, a day chosen in, in the run of the performance where we would describe that show live for our guests. And we would set up our equipment in the lobby. We would have theater buddies who were trained in sighted guiding available to meet people at a designated meetup location uh, to uh, escort them to the venue and assist them there, especially for venues that were harder to get at, you know, like the ones uh, theaters on Granville Island, for instance. And, um, and then we... Uh, just the year before the pandemic hit, we also started um, hosting what we called Notable Socials with Amy Amanti, where we would, you know, use that uh, meetup. We would just meet up a little bit earlier um, and and have a social event. So there was all kind. Of, we were doing all kinds of things like this, and we described fireworks, and we were um, we did a training at the Vancouver Art Gallery. So uh, to facilitate their described monthly tours there. So we were doing a lot of um, a broad range of events during the summer, Bart on the Beach, the Arts Club, um, um, uh, the Surrey Arts Centre, and a number of other partners. So um, that's what we were doing. And then we just had to kind of 
see if we could transform those activities and services into a virtual um, format. So. Okay, before we go to the virtual format, I just, I mean, you said a lot and there is a lot there. It's more than just describing the theater production or like the fact that you factored in buddies to you know be a guide to meet somebody and and get them to the theater and back to the sky train after and train those people and and the social aspect like you're really encompassing more than just the play or the the theater production that you're watching yeah we think it's really important because it's more than just going to the theater it's about building a community and one of the things that i noticed really early on when we first started uh, doing this in the theaters was um, people would come to the table to pick up their equipment and say hello to us, but they would miss each other and they would not, wouldn't know, you know, they would come when they dropped their equipment off at the end of the show. Was anybody else here? Who else was here? You know, right. so unless people actually arrived around the same time and bumped into each other at the table and to say hello, they wouldn't know who else was there. And so I just thought, oh yeah, you don't want to feel like you're the only person coming so we're just the more things that we can offer uh, and totally optional for people to connect not everybody wants to do that but for people who do we're just want, we just want to create as many options as we can for people to connect around art and food if at all possible too so that's another mm. our, our my major priorities in life um, and then when we had the opportunity to describe theater uh, um, to describe productions that I thought would be really interesting, but on Granville Island, which is a really difficult venue. Mm -hmm. And with how, how can we help people get there? You know, because it's, it's very challenging. So we, that's how the theater buddy uh, idea came to be. It's like, okay, well, we'll just, and we just started out with the describers. We, you know, we learned basic principles of sighted guiding and we offered to meet our patrons at a, at a transit location and guide them down to the venue and assist them. And that's how it started. <laughs> so. That's awesome. I'm also curious to know, like what made you start Why? and are you visually impaired or how did you get started with it? Oh, thanks for asking Colby. I should have mentioned that off the top. I'm a sighted person and I have a theater background. So I, I was trained as an actor originally at Studio 58. And then I started directing as well. So the directing kind of took over. I got an MFA uh, in directing and I was doing that for a number of years and as a freelancer. And one of my other jobs uh, was recording textbooks for students with, who, with sight loss and other what are called print impairments. For um, It used to be called SILS. It's called CAPER now. Mm -hmm. And uh, I did that for, I was doing that you know, for the two decades that I was directing and performing. So um, when uh, the call came out for people to, to learn how to describe theater for people who are blind, I, I, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe that these two parts of my life were coming together like that. And I'd never heard of audio description for theater. I didn't know such a thing existed. And indeed, this was the first uh, launching of it in Canada by Kickstart Disability Arts and Culture. They were the ones that got the ball rolling on this. They um, they offered the very first training in 2009. And, um, and they were the ones who laid the foundation for this. So that's how it all started. I, um, I auditioned and was trained as a describer. And so 
it um, it really brings the, those two areas of my life together. You know, I, I have a, obviously a strong theater background, so I have a sense of of how how stories are told, of what to look for, of of um, what the, the choices that are made visually when when we when we stage something, and uh, and how we can um, communicate those ideas and and what's important to the story. So it was a huge learning curve for me, you know, to find out you know, how to do this. Yeah. So it's, but it's been, every project is different. So it really keeps me uh, engaged and excited and the rewards are huge. Can you talk a little bit about how, how the script is written for the description? What's the process for creating, you know, what you're going to say when you're the one describing? Right. So when I would go to the theater, so I would go to the theater to watch the show and uh the first time kind of to get a sense of how things go how the you know never having seen it before where my responses are where do i laugh where do i you know where am i move what what are my responses because those you know i have to make notes of those because i want to make sure that i if i need to supply something uh some information so that i can facilitate that kind of response in our listeners you know, so that's the first. And then I will uh, return uh, a couple of times before we had the luxury of getting access to video. I would have to mm-hmm. go to the theater a number of times and I would make notes in the dark about <laughs> about all the all the. So I'm, when I'm making my notes, I'm looking for two things because I have to create two scripts. Essentially, the first script is the pre-show notes. So that's an introduction to the design elements and the context, you know, what is the world of this play? Where are we? Who's there? What do people look like? What are the locations? And, you know, those kinds of things. Um, So I create notes for that and then create a script for that, that I will um, share with the audience about 10 minutes before the show starts. We do a sound check and then I'll do the pre-show introduction. And then the other notes that I'm making are action notes. So these are the notes, these are the visual, this is the visual information that's ha- that happens during the show that, uh, that isn't apparent to the listener. So, and that takes some, you know, I really, I have to listen to the show as much as I watch it mm-hmm. to know what's essential, what's missing. I don't want to be redundant and tell you things that are already apparent in the dialogue, you know, and, um, but I don't want to give too much. And then of course I have to put that um, description in between the lines because I can't step on the actor's lines. So it takes a lot of practice and timing to get just the right, you know, to come in on my cue because it just feels like there's half a breath in there sometimes to get information and to make sure that what information I'm giving you is important to the story and to your experience of the story. I have to say those pre-show, it's so funny because I usually go to the theater with somebody sighted who doesn't have the headset. And so we're in our seats and they're just chatting to me about whatever as we're waiting for the show to start. And I'm kind of like, shush, I'm trying to listen. (laughs) I want to get the description of the set and the costumes and the character, you know, you give, you give a a really good sort of setup so that when it starts, I kind of have a a framework of like, where are we in this scene and who are the players and what do they look like? It's, it's fabulous. Oh, great. Thanks. Because we don't have time to give all that information when the show is happening. So it's a kind of front load 
things if possible. In an ideal world, we would try to get that information to, to our, our guests in advance so you could review it at your leisure and not, you know, not have to compete without you know, listening to <laughs> us and, and chatting with your friends who, who've come to the theater with you. But um, that was something that we continued to work on and, uh, and we will continue to try to find other ways to do that, other options for people. Yeah. Well, it's also cool because as I'm listening, I can say, oh, like now I know what they're seeing if they're seeing the set. I don't know. Sometimes you, sometimes the curtains are open and you're already, you can see something before the show starts if you're sighted. So, you know, I can ask for more from my sighted friend or, or just comment as part of conversation. Cause I know what they're looking at as well. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. I've been to quite a few Vocali events and I, I guess I, I compare it to what life was like before <laughs> for me. If I would go to the theater, I really like musicals. Um, a lot of things can happen during a song, for example, or I don't know. I, I mean, I, I saw cats in, in England when I was living there and, and I fell asleep. So oh, no. Yeah, like that's tragic, right? But I didn't have a clue what was going on. I don't think I still know the plot of that show. So (laughs) when there's there's audio description, it really changes the game. It really makes it such a more meaningful experience. Um, And I used to say like theater is easier to follow than TV because the action can't be as crazy on stage and the the movements are bigger and and maybe it's a little bit easier to kind of figure out but you still if you can't see you're definitely missing a lot yeah we do have an advantage I the film being such a it's so visual and they can do so much you know so much of their storytelling is is absolutely visual you know we Mm -hmm. have usually the the plays are written in a way that rely on dialogue and uh, narrative. And so there is a story to follow and there's not, there's not a lot of bells and whistles, but big Broadway musicals, of course. Yeah. And you've got um, all kinds of uh, fantastic sets and, you know, costumes and all of, all of those things that, mm-hmm. that uh, we want to be able to share. Hamilton was um, something that uh, recently the film version where there was description provided, I believe, but the um, but some of the comments from the community were, oh, I, I'm missing all of the, <laughs> all of the all of that uh, information about the design, you know, because right. there's just no time for yes. that. So, our colleagues in the UK, uh, Vocalize UK, um, created a, a pre-show description that they made available for people who just in response to the community oh, demand. Cool. So I think that's still available on their website, but uh, oh. yeah. So that's it's, um, that was, that's one of the, so the many challenges of, of um, getting information mm-hmm. that's essential to the listener in a way that doesn't uh, um, step all over everything or, or become um, d- too distracting. Yeah. Another thing I really appreciate in the theater when there's an intermission um, the description will also include where the bathrooms are as you leave the theater, which is just like really practical and important information that if you're there by yourself, that's probably something you need to know. Yeah, we're trying to think of everything. I mean, a lot of what we're doing is it comes from the community. It's just really being in the theater with the community, meeting our patrons and, you know, finding out what what questions they ask and, and what kind of assistance they, they would like that would be helpful. Mm-hmm. And um, and just to put it out there so that they don't have to always ask or 
um, yeah, yeah, that they can rely on us. And to be consistent with the information and services that we provide was also really important. Um, touch tours were something that that we were able to offer for some productions. They're, they're especially for um, uh, theater for young audiences when we worked with Carousel mm -hmm. and um, uh, and some of our arts club, um, some of the arts club shows that featured uh, puppets or ha um, that had a lot of um, uh, interesting props. I think we did a touch tour for Mary Poppins and for Wizard of Oz, Ave Wizard of too. Oz, Avenue yeah. Q, uh, which was a bit more adult, um, <laughs> the adult use of puppets, um, but um, and uh, uh, Cat in the Hat um, mm -hmm. also. So this is also a wonderful opportunity for the community to meet members of the cast and the crew and to touch the uh, to touch objects, to have a sensory experience, a, to a little tour of the set and to um, find out how some of the uh, props are made and uh, learn about some of the special effects that may, that may be in the show. Uh, and um, we had to adapt uh, how the, traditionally, um, traditionally, well, the, because Canada is so late in the game doing this, our colleagues in the UK really um, pioneered the touch tour, um, the art of the touch tour, shall we say. And they offer their tours before the show. That would be really helpful because then you have a good idea of things that are going to be in the show. Exactly. And you get to meet people. You can it, sometimes meet the actors and hear their voices, but uh, you, that way you get the uh, layout. But the one of the drawbacks of, a, of um, uh, the pre-show touch tour is that we can't give you any spoilers. So we don't want to spoil anything that might be our surprises mm -hmm. that are coming up. So um, there, there are some limitations and people do have to arrive um, quite a bit earlier to the theater. And that model we found just didn't work with our theater partners with, with union houses and their, their budgets. They just didn't, they just, we couldn't make it happen, but they really wanted to offer a touch tour. So what we, the compromise that we came to is, well, what about a touch tour after the show and everybody seemed to say oh, okay because then we can relax everybody's a bit more relaxed after the show we mm -hmm. there's not so much the time constraints of oh i've got to get that prop bag well you know we have to get everybody off the stage and get ready to do the show and you know there's so much more to do before a show um so everybody could be a bit more relaxed we could have more people participate and it's a it's a a bit of a different experience, obviously, for, for our patrons. You know, we, we the pre-show notes, we try to give people as much information as possible. And, um, and then you have the experience. So you're sort of layering uh, information in after the fact. So it's, it's, you, you've already created your own impressions. And then in the touch tour, you find out more information. So you're kind of layering it on top after the fact, which is, it can it's just a different experience. I think there's, there's, um, I think pros and cons to, to both approaches, but at least we've been able to offer, um, um, touch tours after. And this again is a, is a way for people to meet each other and to, to connect and find out more about how theater is done and made and, um, how it works. Um, in addition to live theater, you've also done live, like I've been to the Pride, the Vancouver Pride Parade or um, the fireworks. So, I mean, that's not something you're going to get a sneak preview of beforehand. Is that really challenging? 
super challenging (laughs) 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 to describe something cold is just oh yeah so um with the with the pride parade the advantage we have there is there's no dialogue to try to fit ourselves around so the describers have the freedom to describe you know anytime and mm-hmm. in but because the parade is such a long event like it's a you know, three-hour tour essentially <laughs> so right. we we um, it's a lot for one person to do so we have a team so we have two describers and we get um we get a list of of the participants so we do have a running order of of who's 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 participating and and how they're coming along uh the order that they're coming in the parade so one of the describers usually reads out that information about the organization, about, about the, the mm. participants, and then the other uh, will describe the visuals, you know, of, the, of that float. And then they switch roles back and forth and okay. um, as we go. So that's how we sort of figured out how to do that one. And for the fireworks, it really is we, we give folks a little crash. We usually host a free workshop for people to, to get some basic techniques and how to, how to do it to practice in. And, um, and then we, we just all show up. And, and we, again, we make it a social event. So we show up, we meet, uh, find a meetup location and time and through the city and other um, uh, 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 our other partners, uh, we've arranged um, special seating at the fireworks, because again, that's really important. We found that uh, people want to be right in the center of the action. We would assume mm. that, oh, English Bay, people don't want to be just too too much for people to 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 be there. So one year we did try um, describing fireworks at Vanier Park, and it just wasn't the same. We, mm-hmm. we, so again, it's 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 really we're responding to what our patrons want and they want to be right in the middle of the action so it's okay how do we how do we facilitate that so we do this meetup in advance and we have seating that's accessible um, with washrooms that are right nearby and accessible and uh, and then we and then we have um, afterwards this is part of how the, how the social idea came up was through our firework um, activities we would meet afterwards uh, we would all go to a restaurant afterwards and um, while the crowds thinned out. Yes, so, yes. <laughs> so we'd make a reservation there and then we'd all just kind of go and, and, and have a beverage and a snack and, and we would spring for, for appetizers for, for everyone. And, and it's, again, that kind of, we, got, we have the rush of, the, of that intense half hour of, of fireworks and it's a way to you know, kind of burn that off and then the crowds disperse and then, and then we could all ride share or whatever to go, to go home. So it's a, it's all of that logistical planning for for the event. It's you know accessibility is more as you say. It's more than just providing the description. It's the whole experience that we're trying to to facilitate and make accessible. You've done some unique things with the fireworks. Do you want to talk about that? The the tactile component. So how do we yes? How do we describe fireworks? <laughs> so, <laughs> that was the big question, and I didn't even know you know when uh, Colin Van Uschelen, who was on our board, asked me if I'd ever thought of describing fireworks, if we'd ever done it, if I and I had to admit I it had never occurred to me, and it really hit me that I didn't even know that I was making assumptions, and I was that people who are blind wouldn't be interested in fireworks mm. being described. So, so that was a, a huge 
an important lesson for me, luckily really early in my vocal eye career. So again, I, these are assumptions sighted people have that we don't, they don't even know they have. And part of what vocal eye tries mm -hmm. to do as well is to, is to point these things out and say, Hey, you know, uh, we can't assume anything. We do, we need to ask. And, uh, and so the next thing was, okay, Colin, I'm up for it. How do we make fireworks accessible? So we went, <laughs> we went down to English Bay together and, um, and I attempted to describe fireworks the way I would describe anything verbally. And yes. uh, I, I did, Colin was very familiar with the jargon and the names of these effects. So I did a little research the day before and, uh, and did my best. And I, and it was like, oh my gosh, I felt like I was yelling and I was <laughs> repeating this and it ended up repeating the same thing over and over again because the effects would red chrysanthemum, red chrysanthemum, you know, mm. golden peony. And it, it felt very limited and it was incredibly stressful because I didn't know what was coming next. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it, it's, uh, yeah. So not being able to prepare, not ever having done it before, I just felt, felt I did a terrible job. Colin was very gracious. And just right at the end of the, of the, the fireworks there's they usually do a huge you know spectacular blowout of you know a whole bunch of uh, effects at once and at the end of this uh, particular event there was like a wall of of gold like a shower of golden uh, rain really and so there was really slowly falling um gold effects and there was one clump of ash so some of the the material it just sort of clumped together like a glowing ember but it was falling quite slowly and i was mentioning this to colin he said oh trace that the fall on my on my arm like how how mm. the speed it's going and when it goes out so i did that and it was at that moment that we both kind of like the bell you know, something happened <laughs> we realized ah oh, that was the most satisfying part of the description Right. That I attempted. And so from there, it was the, okay, how do we do this then if that's a way in? So looking at the, the, the body, and so the, the largest canvas on the body is the back. And so having a describer stand behind our guest who has sight loss and watch the fireworks. So we're both facing the fireworks and uh, the describer then attempts to draw the fireworks on the person's back. So using, so this way we, we found, the, so we did a workshop to see if that actually would, would work using videos of fireworks mm -hmm. and trying out different techniques and looking at, the, at some, at some common uh, effects and using different areas of the back to represent the location. So the lower back would be the, you know, effects coming from the barge on the water and the, you know, the shoulders and mid back are the, the main area where most of the effects happen. And then if anything was higher up, we could even possibly use the person's head but before we did any of that we would always check in with the person or this is is it all right for for us to touch you there mm -hmm. or would you prefer um a, a different part of your body or your hand or your, just your arm or we could focus on a leg or we could you know you know wherever you would like but we started with the back and um and so we're able to communicate things like the composition, so where the effects are located, the intensity of the effects with the using different pressure of our fingertips, and uh, the the motion, uh, the speed, the rhythm, all of those kinds of things we were able to communicate that we couldn't with our voice. So then we could use our voice 
to communicate things with, that we couldn't with our fingers, such as the color and mm. uh, in any other kind of metaphorical imagery, you know, poetic imagery. That, um, That's so great. Experience, so, yeah. Because who the heck knows what a chrysanthemum or a peony is? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't. Know. I was going to say, I have no idea what that is. <laughs> I know they're flowers, but yeah, that's yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, and you also have trained like family members and friends and partners so that they can do. So, if you're not comfortable going to the fireworks and having a, a volunteer, a stranger, you know, draw on your back, um, you can you can bring your loved one and they can learn how, right? That's right. And they, and we do had we, we created um, a series of instructional videos, if you were, as, as it were, because this, again, this is a technique that itself should be accessible to everyone, mm-hmm. you know, so that it's, it's free, it's easy, we don't need any special gadgets or technology, just, um, just a friend or someone who's willing to, yeah, and it's the, the again, the the relationships and the connection that we make, the human connection has always been very important to us at Vocalize. So, you know, anytime we can avoid technology and (laughs) that's a good thing. So, (laughs) Well, that's a good segue for virtual. (laughs) (laughs) So how have you been doing things during the pandemic? Oh gosh. Well, you know, it's, and it must've been just before you even say that, like, Oh, I can't even imagine. Well, I can, of course I lived through it too. And, but being in the business that you're in, obviously live theater, any, you know, large gatherings instantly just ended like that must've been really tough to like, what are we going to do now? Exactly. That was exactly it. We had, uh, we had 30 events booked (sighs) Oh no. Between March 11th and August, the end of August. Right. And they all can we just had oh. to cancel all of them. And, uh, and was, so in March of 2020, it was okay. That existential moment, like I, when I really had to assess, you know, what would happen if vocal I just disappeared right now, mm. because that's, oh. that's what we're looking at. Right. Yeah. So, um, and then it was, okay, I think some things would be lost. <laughs> so <laughs> when, what is that? You know, our, our community that we've spent so many years building together, mm-hmm. um, uh, the connections that we've made with people who are blind and partially sighted, and the training that we've put in with our team, mm-hmm. that would be, you know, everybody, I could just, I, I, I could just imagine, you know, I could foresee this big scattering we would all scatter and do other things and trying to get people back to get this back after right. a year or more. Cause I knew it was going to kind of yeah. stretch on. Um, it would be impossible. So, um, so that was, that was that. So how do we then translate what we were doing to an online format? Everybody was doing watch parties so it was like, well, that just seems obvious, doesn't it? But <laughs> how can we do it in a way that's, that's, that's true to what we do value? You know, we don't have a lot of resources. We don't have, you know, we have a MacGyver sensibility. So it's like, okay, what have we got to work with? I have a laptop and a Zoom account. Okay, what can we do? Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and, and I have a team that's amazing. So what, how can we translate what they're already doing into this online format? So starting with Amy, it's, you know, bringing that social element to Zoom. So obviously she was the natural person to host 
our events. And so, and then we include uh, a virtual lobby aspect. So people always have a, the opportunity to socialize and get community updates before our events. Oh, cool. And then we, um, and then it's like, okay, we need content. How do we find that? And it's, you know, so we could, suddenly there was an opportunity for us to create our own content. What artists in the community do we know that, that have an exhibit or have a, have a film or have something described or that we could either describe and help them make accessible or that's already accessible that we can bring to our audience and then also bring that guest so in instead of a touch tour, we're actually bringing guests in who are involved with the project or a describer will come in and, and do a pre-show intro as, as we've done before. So that's kind of how it's shaped up. And then also in terms of the social, we would all we would, um, you know, the, we mentioned that food is so important to us <laughs> and, um, uh, being able to, to break bread together. And so it was always important for uh for us to to make sure that that was accessible so we included that in our budget always you know that you can that shouldn't be a barrier if you want to join us for coffee and a snack you know mm. we're we're going to spring for that so you don't have to feel that you know if that's a, that we don't want that to be a barrier so translating that <laughs> as well it's like so we have a little draw so we always have a draw and it's kind of like a food usually a food related gift certificate our pals at Moose's Down Under, you know, who have been yes. so incredibly helpful uh, to all of us hosting events and fundraisers for your organization and mine. Mm-hmm. The difficulty they've been uh, through uh, through the pandemic. So we would buy gift certificates and give those out and and other food related things. So it, again, just trying to yeah, identifying what we were doing live and uh, okay how do we transform it online so and how has it (laughs) how's it been going we were amazed uh at the response really um so folks are tuning in from again areas that we would never people who couldn't come to any of our events live are able to join us on zoom Mm -hmm. so all across the province across canada uh guests from the united states um and so it's and the numbers and the feedback have just been amazing. You know, it's it's uh, so. For instance, there, I think we were averaging about eight patrons um, for our live events. It would depend on the event, so mm-hmm. from anywhere from two to twenty people coming to our events, and um, which was great. That was yeah. actually a really good number. But now we're averaging maybe. 40 people on a, oh. Zoom, on a Zoom call. Wow. You know, so this is, um, and we are, and the variety of material that we're able to present people, uh, to bring to people. We've lowered the barrier. Zoom has magically lowered the barriers that were the most difficult mm-hmm. for us to address. The barriers of transportation yes. and price. Right, people. yeah. So, I mean, and Zoom, thankfully, is, is so accessible for yes. um, our members with any, you can use so many d- different devices. You can call in on a landline mm-hmm. or use your phone or computer. So that's not a barrier. So, I mean, really it became clear as people participated and gave us feedback that this is now actually going to become a center of our service and we will bring live uh, events in, hopefully (laughs) sometime soon um, at some point, but we'll bring those in as well, but we're not going to give up this incredible 
platform and and way to share um, the arts with people and the way to build community. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. That's fabulous. I know we've had a similar, you know, realization. We were trying to be virtual to reach beyond Metro Vancouver before, like for a year before the pandemic and, and just people were not really doing it. They weren't joining. And I was trying different days of the week and different times. And, and then of course, when it's all you have, all of a sudden people are willing to give it a try and it's changed the game for us too. We're, we're just way more accessible to more people now. And we're definitely going to have to continue a lot of our virtual programming because if we don't, we're leaving out now, we know we're leaving out, you know, all these people, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So that's some, so how, what is it going to look like then when, when life resumes, you're going to continue some virtual, you're going to still do live stuff as well. Are you going to do less live stuff? Like, what are you thinking? I think necessarily it has to be less. We know we were doing about 60 live events before the pandemic. And uh, I don't know that our, I think it's going to take some time for our theater partners to come back. Mm. Some of our partners will be coming back sooner than others, but not with, with I don't think as much perhaps programming. So, you know, the arts club, for instance, we would describe 10 productions, 10 or 11 productions a year, and we may return with four or five, something like that. And it'll be mostly our larger partners that I think will have the capacity to, to, to come back and bring us back. Um, We want to make sure that, uh, that we're in a situation that's that's pretty much like pre-pandemic. So audiences of 50, for instance, are too small for us to to right. ask people to come back. We want to make sure that most of the, the population has had their second uh, dose. And, and we want to, you know, in consultation, again, always with the community, how do you feel? Are you, mm-hmm. do you feel safe going back? You know, yeah. it's, it, when, when you feel safe, we'll, we'll do it. And we'll, and it's, we're, I think we're going to work more with a partnership model. So it will be with our partners that really understand how to collaborate, you know, uh, what our process is, mm-hmm. that it's more than just, um, you know, showing up and describing yeah. their event. It's, it's all these other things have to be factored in um, the accessibility of the venue, you know, affordable tickets, um, touch tours if possible, and uh, socials and other amenities that, um, mm. that that we can bring so quality not quantity exactly mm. exactly yeah yeah so that's that's probably how we'll be moving forward I think oh right we have to talk about Alice in Wonderland because we're promoting one of your upcoming events and I haven't been to a virtual event yet uh, I know they're I think they're Wednesday nights and we have programming and I often have meetings Wednesday nights so I'm so excited that we're going to be, um, yeah, for Blind Beginnings is is promoting this Alice in Wonderland as a community discovery outing in July. It's July 14th, I think. What can we expect at this event? Oh, I'm so glad you're going to be available. Um, it's, uh, it's a musical version of Alice in Wonderland. Oh, even better. So it's, <laughs> it really is. I just, I'm an adult, uh, you know, I've been around a long time and uh, I just found the production absolutely delightful. And um, there's a lot in it that's, uh, that's contemporary and modern. And uh, mm-hmm. so there's a white rabbit with a watch 
and who's late, late, late. Right. And, um, she ends up following him down the, the rabbit hole and encountering all of these really bizarre creatures and adventures. She drinks things and eats things that make her grow really big and really small. And uh, she meets the Red Queen. And um, it's it's an amazing story. So the this um, theater company is called Bad Hats Theater. They're an associate company uh, with Soul Pepper in Toronto. And these are artist-based companies. So they're run by artists. They're, they're, um, Bad Hats is uh, uh, primarily creating new works for young audiences, well, for families. So this is a, a, a theatrical performance created for film. So they really, they did it, they staged it in Toronto on stage and filmed it. And they used, so it really, in, in a true sense, is a hybrid production. So they actually used some of the, the, the fact that they were filming it to help them create some of the um, illusions of, uh, you know, like when Alice gets really big, they framed her and filmed her in such a way that she totally fills mm. the, the square of the, of the mm. screen. You know, so it's, it, it's very cleverly staged. The songs are fantastic and it's uh it takes place the the they've set it in a context of a, of a classroom so oh. alice is uh, oh. a student and she's coming to class and there's a mysterious little Ch cheshire cat that sort of wanders through and then she's joined by her classmates and then the the school uh, the school day begins to meet the teacher and they have an assignment and one of the assignments is uh, you know that question that we all get asked what do you want to be when you grow up and yeah, I'm still asking that question, <laughs> but it's, you know, right. It's just uh, kids are asked that all the time. So taking from that kind of very familiar premise, you know, they, uh, then Alice is looking out the window and happens to see a white rabbit and then the adventure begins. And it's just so fabulous. Yeah. And the, as I say, the talent in this company and the songs, the, all the original songs, the adaptation, that's really fabulous. And it's being described by uh, one of our describers, Eileen Barrett. Awesome. Yeah, I, yeah it's going to be, I'm really excited. I've, I've sort of been waiting for a title that I recognize that was, you know, family friendly. And I'm sure there have been several, but this one caught my attention and thought, okay, we need to do this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a fabulous production. Yeah. I'm so relieved that things have worked out for Vocalize. I really personally appreciate the job that you do and, and the service that you provide. It's definitely made a difference in my life. I think gone are the days when I have to go to theater and have the person whispering what's happening and all the people around us giving them the stink eye. <laughs> <laughs> so I, it's just so nice to be able to know everything that's happening and know that you're not being disruptive to anybody else around you. And, and just, you've been so creative in some of the things you've come up with and, you know, the, the live, the parade type idea, the fireworks, it's, it's phenomenal. So thank you. Well, thanks. Well, thank you. Thank you for your, all your support uh, over the years. You've been with us from the beginning, like, you know, 2009, mm -hmm. I think when we, when we started and it's uh, so without the participation of the community and you telling us like what you think and what you need and what's missing and what you like and what you don't like, that's how we do it. It's really just responding to, um, to the comments and requests of the community 
with within our MacGyver way, you know, with whatever we've got available, <laughs> we're, mm-hmm. we'll try to make it happen. So that's, yeah, it's been so exciting that collaboration. Yeah. That's great. Uh, when we have permission, usually when we create uh, our own content, we record all of our events. And uh, well, we record all of our events, but the content that we create, we're able to post all of it on our YouTube channel for, for an event like this, because uh, we're not able to, uh, we don't have the rights for the, for the actual show. We'll, we'll be sharing, recording the the pre-show and post-show conversations and putting those on our YouTube, but the musical will also be available on the Soul Pepper site, but it's a paid uh, pay per view, but there'll be a discount um, code So after every event, we always send out a a follow-up email with links and other information about the show and about our partners so that people will get that. And we'll also share um, in the newsletter for anyone who missed that particular show. If it's still available, we'll send that information out in the newsletter. That is an important thing we forgot to say. These virtual events are free. Is that correct? Oh, yes, that's right. Yes, they are. <laughs> <laughs> like, that barrier that we talked about, gone. Yeah, yep. free. Can you believe that? All yeah. you listeners, I can't believe that. Free. Yeah. <laughs> so you get to, you you can try things out without without taking any risks. You know, mm-hmm. You're not going to lose any money or time. You can always, if you don't like it, like if you think, oh, they're doing opera tonight. I don't know if I like opera or not, but I can tune in and find out. Yeah, we have we have special guests from NASA. We have some uh, a scientist who's 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 making um, the cosmos more accessible through sonification, and uh, we'll have a visual artist joining us to a science illustrator. So they're going to talk about how they make the invisible visible and in different ways. Mm -hmm. Wow, (laughs) wow! So that's that's tonight at uh, okay (laughs) thirty. Okay, so how would, if people are interested in either getting connected with Vocali, wanting to attend an event, a virtual event, or or in person down the road, or maybe volunteer, like how do people get in touch with you? The easiest way is just to send me an email, info, I-N-F-O, at Vocali, V-O-C-A-L-E-Y-E dot C-A. Well, thank you so much, Steph, for joining us. This has been so fantastic. I'm so excited for Alice in Wonderland. I'm so relieved that Vocalize is still going strong, doing better than ever, and even more accessible than you were to begin with, which who knew was even possible. But thank you. <laughs> thank you, Sean. And I'm thrilled that things are going so well for you as well. This is awesome. So awesome. Yeah. And thanks, Colby, for joining me today. Thanks so much for having me. I've definitely had a great time. You've been listening to Limitless, the Blind Beginnings podcast. If you have a question, a comment, a future topic request, please send us an email to limitless at blindbeginnings.ca. Share our podcast with a friend, leave us a rating or a review, and join us next time. This podcast has been brought to you by Blind Beginnings, an organization based in Vancouver, Canada, that supports children and youth who are blind or partially sighted, along with their families. Music for this podcast is composed by Sean Bishop and Clement Chow. Production and audio editing by Rob Minot. For more information about Blind Beginnings and the work it does to support children and youth who are blind and partially sighted, along with their families, visit us on the web at www.blindbeginnings.ca. And also remember to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We thank you for joining us, and we look forward to seeing you next time.